Awesome. As we transition from a time of worship into a time of looking at God's Word, let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we, we thank you for that blessed assurance that we have in you. Lord God, that you came down from heaven, Lord God, to bear our sins so that we could live in eternity with you. Lord God, as we transition to your word, Lord God, let us be in continual awe of what you've done. Lord God, let us be in awe of that blessed assurance. Lord, let us be in your presence. Lord God, let us recognize who you are and to love you even more. In Jesus' name that we pray, amen. Good morning. How are we doing this morning? At this time, they're already headed that direction, but kids can be released uh, to their respective classrooms. And if you don't have a copy of God's Word in front of you, I'd invite you now uh, to go ahead and stand up. There's a handful of Bibles on the back table. I encourage you to go ahead and grab one. It's, it's very important for us to have the Word of God in front of us as we study and consider it this morning. Also, if you don't have a copy of God's Word, I'd encourage you, there's a handful of paperback copies in the back. Our gift to you, the greatest gift that we could provide to you is God's Word. So I'd encourage you to, to grab one of those um, and spend time throughout the week understanding his, who God is through the living, enduring Word of God. As we look to discuss our last core value this morning, radical in mission, we can understand and see that these core values that we've been discussing interplay amongst each other and are connected. The focus and thrust of all of these core values comes from the first, being centered on the gospel. From an understanding of the gospel message, we have an acknowledgement and recognition for the need to be grounded in Scripture, faithful in worship, and authentic in fellowship. Everything that we do as the local church must operate from an outworking of the gospel, that while we were still sinners and hostile against God, he came down to earth as fully God and fully man in Jesus Christ to live a perfect life, was crucified to atone for our sins, and was raised from the dead to rule and reign at the Father's right hand so that if we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, we can have eternal life with him in heaven. To be rooted in this truth of the gospel, Scripture must be our guide and our source. The living, enduring word of God. We know from the beginning of the gospel of John that the word became flesh and dwelt among us as Jesus Christ. For the gospel to take root, we must continually and constantly be pointed towards, both individually and corporately, the praise, adoration, and worship of a God who loves us so very, very much. 
We are unified in Christ by the gospel and come alongside each other in authentic fellowship. This morning, now we will look at an understanding of the core value of being radical in mission. Sharing the truth of the gospel by making disciples who make disciples of Jesus Christ. In regards to being radical in mission, David Platt, from one of his devotions titled Radical, a spinoff of his book with the same name, described it this way. As children of Abraham, we've been blessed with the knowledge of God in Jesus Christ. Jesus is the ultimate fulfillment of this centuries-old promise of blessing for God's people as well as the means by which God wants to bless all nations on earth. Jesus is at the center of Genesis 12, the call of Abraham. The same charge is for us today. We haven't been given the blessing of new life in Christ so that we can appreciate being blessed. We've been blessed in order to be a blessing to others. That's the core of the Great Commission. It's the mission to fulfill the desire of God from the beginning to bless the nations of the earth with the knowledge of himself. As we look at this core value of being radical in mission as the local body of believers to carry out this mission, here is what we're saying. As stated in our membership covenant document, as well as on the the BCC website. Jesus' life and ministry set the standard as one that pointed to and accomplished redemption, restoration, and reclamation. Christ's final commission to his followers was to make disciples of all people, to baptize them in his name, and to be witnesses of what he had done in the immediate community and abroad. As those who seek To uphold Christ's commands, the local church, in the power of the Spirit, ought to faithfully engage the community with and bear witness to the good news of the gospel, desiring to see the reconciliation of Christ transform the world in which we live. The call to know God through Christ is universal, and it is the responsibility of every believer to proclaim the unaltered, uncompromised gospel. As we look at that explanation, that description of what it looks like to be radical in mission, what key elements do we draw on to look to understand more? We clearly see the authority of Jesus, the proclamation of the gospel, which is directly tied to the core value of being centered in the gospel. We see spirit empowerment. We see commission. So we ask ourselves, if we are grounded in Scripture, from where in the Bible did this description of being radical in mission come? The answer is throughout Scripture, but specifically from the Great Commission in Matthew 28, and in the Scripture we will investigate this morning, Acts chapter 1, verses 6 through 11. Now, as we look to turn to the book of Acts, we'll find it here right after the Gospel of John and right before the book of Romans, probably about 
two-thirds of the way through your Bible. The book of Acts, which directly follows the Gospels, is written by the same historian Luke who wrote the Gospel by the same name and focuses and chronicles a very detailed and fascinating journey of the early Christian church. Throughout Acts, we see what it means to share the gospel in Jerusalem, focused in chapters 3 through 8, in all of Judea and Samaria, through chapters 8 through 12, and to the ends of the earth in chapters 13 through 28. As a local church with the same mission as the early church, it makes sense for us to spend time in the book of Acts to understand the mission, vision, and approach of sharing the gospel that was directed by the apostles, clearly and explicitly empowered and guided by the Holy Spirit. With that, Acts chapter 1, verses 6 through 11, says this. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father is fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven, and as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who is taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Now what does this set of verses tell us about being radical in mission? We'll look at and investigate it in two ways. First, it defines the mission of Christ followers through an initial misunderstanding of mission, a clarification of that mission, and a sending off of mission or commission. And secondly, we'll see how it provides how we are equipped or prepared to be radical in mission through the belief, power, and authority of Jesus Christ. First then, let's understand the mission of Christ's followers through this initial misunderstanding of the mission, clarification of mission, and sending off to mission. In verse 6, we see the apostles, after Christ's resurrection, ask him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? The 11 apostles, those closest to Jesus during his life and ministry, those who heard him proclaim that he came not to be served but to serve, had their eyes set on a physical, political deliverance for Israel. After this amazing witness of overcoming death through resurrection, these men were still looking at a worldly perspective expecting the Lord to deliver worldly prosperity. They were 
expecting a rule and a reign similar to what, what they experienced with King David. Although they were right in his midst, there was a misunderstanding of the mission of Jesus and what he was calling for his disciples to do. Their understanding of deliverance with which he was providing was much too small. Even then, they undershot the power and magnitude with which God had provided for redemptive history through Jesus Christ. Now, it's simple from our outsider looking into this scripture perspective to see a foolishness in their understanding, to be aghast that they didn't understand what Jesus was truly coming to accomplish. In fact, I find myself wondering why Jesus' response wasn't more along the following, what? Really? Do you not remember what I told you at the Passover meal just a few days before? My body being broken and my blood being poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins? that I will drink new with you in my Father's kingdom. Did you forget that I said that where I'm going you cannot go, but I will prepare a room for you in my Father's house? How could you be so dense to think that my death, burial, and resurrection was to establish a worldly rule for Israel and not for complete restoration for the world, taking the wrath of sin so that you could stand holy in the sight of a righteous God. But Jesus doesn't take this approach and belittle the apostles for asking this question. Instead, he pours out his mercy and grace even more. He responds in verse 7 to say that it is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father is fixed by his own authority. The timing of deliverance is for the Lord to know. He is pointing in this time and place and reminding the apostles that the Lord is the one who is in control. That Creator God is superior and sovereign, and it is by His accord with which full de deliverance and redemption awaits. However, He provides mercy and grace abundantly in another way. In verse 8, He describes that until that time comes, the Lord will be providing the power of the Holy Spirit. God is again pouring out of himself to his people to help fulfill the mission of witnessing to the nation who God is in Jesus Christ. The clarified mission by Jesus was not to see a group of people in Israel see prosperity and fulfillment here on earth at this time. The mission has always been and will always be for God to be glorified and for his people to 
to see their restoration in the life, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. While sin and death separated God from his people, Jesus paid the price and made a way for us to be reconciled. Now, we can pretend to be baffled by the apostles' misunderstanding of the mission, but the reality is that our sin constantly puts us in the same position of misunderstanding and unbelief. This misunderstood reality of mission plagues our every day. How many times do we expect that here on this earth, where sinful flesh grasps at every thought and action, our past to be straight and earthly prosperity to be at our fingertips? Our pride and sense of work-based righteousness prevents us from applying the truth of the gospel. How many times do we let a bad couple hours, ones which slipped out of our control and failed to meet our lofty expectations, ruin our day or our week? Our desire for control, not acknowledging that there is a sovereign God who is over all of our plans. Our expectations become shrouded in our minuscule understanding of what we think life should be. Minuscule dreams falling short of God's glorious plans and existence for our lives. How many times are we going to search for that next big thing or that next big achievement to fulfill us? If only I had a maid to clean my house or the new newest technology to make my life easier or a more fulfilling job or a more understanding boss or set of coworkers our sin places our focus on short-sighted fulfillments not allowing for us to acknowledge and rest and look towards the eternal fulfillment which we've been provided in Christ Jesus. Church, our reality is one that focuses up to the heavens on a God who, does, who died for our sins and provided the Holy Spirit to empower us. Our mission is much greater than something fulfilled on this earth. Our mission is to make disciples who make disciples of Jesus Christ an intergenerational spiritual legacy focused on pointing our children and those around us to Jesus. As Jesus asks to be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Matthew 28 verses 18 through 20 lays out this mission with equal clarity. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, 
teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And so going back to this passage in Acts, we've seen a misunderstood message and mission that Jesus clarifies in verse 8 by saying, be my witnesses to all nations. And then he ascends into heaven. Next, we will see the start then of the sending off, the commission in verses 10 and 11. It says, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way you saw him go into heaven. Essentially, in the form of a rhetorical question, the spirit in the form of two men in white robes standing next to these 11 apostles is telling them that it's go time. Why are you standing here? You have been equipped with the power of the Spirit. Jesus will return just as you have seen him leave. But now there is action required. Take the mission that Jesus has provided to you and run with it. It's time for you to get to the end of the earth, witnessing about the truth of the gospel, witnessing of the truth of Jesus Christ. We can acknowledge, though, that this action is a mission that is not an easy one. In our sin nature and through schemes of Satan, we have excuses and challenges and doubts and reservations to fulfilling this mission and sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. I'm not an evangelist. You might say, I can't clearly share the gospel with a bunch of people. I don't have eloquent enough speech or I don't know enough about my Bible to defend every objection people may have. You might say, my testimony isn't some phenomenal from rock bottom to riches story that I can share. Thankfully, we don't need any of these things to obediently share the good news of the gospel. Thankfully, if we are in Christ, we've been equipped radically through power, belief, and authority in Christ Jesus. When we stop to think about what it means to be radical, we may first think of a far-out extreme idea or ideal. Radical may be seen as taking a belief to the extreme, like we see or hear about in regards to political agendas in the radical left or the radical right. And although being radical in mission may require an extreme idea or ideal, especially if we consider our sin nature and our desires to be inward-focused and self-centered, as opposed to being others-focused and gospel-centered, we can also look 
towards the idea of being radical as being far-reaching or thorough. As in a radical overhaul or a radical transformation. It is complete and all-encompassing. Provided differently, we can be complete in mission by sharing the good news of the gospel. When a ship is to be commissioned out to sea, the captain of the ship is asserting a few things for the ship before sending it out. The first thing he's assuring is that the mission of that ship is clear. Before the captain sends them out, he is making sure that the crew understands the purpose and the direction and what needs to be executed once that ship leaves the harbor. Secondly, when the captain sends off the ship to be commissioned, he is making sure that that ship is equipped. It has what it needs to fulfill the mission at hand. Similarly, as those commissioned to share the good news of the gospel, we have been clearly provided the mission and equipped with the power of the Holy Spirit and the authority of Jesus Christ to fulfill the mission laid out before us. Let's look at those three things that have been provided to be radical in mission. First, God provides knowledge understanding, and conviction of the mission. As followers of Jesus, as members of the local church, we have been provided the mission. And with any mission, the questions to be answered are what, where, when, who, and why. In regards to the what, it says in verse 8 of Acts 1, be my witness. Jesus is asking his followers to share the gospel message. He is providing the what of the mission to spread the good news that while we were still sinners and hostile against God, he came down to earth as fully God and fully man in Christ Jesus to live a perfect life was crucified to atone for our sins and was raised from the dead to rule and reign at the Father's right hand so that if we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, we can have eternal life with him in heaven. We are called, the what is to proclaim that gospel. We know the where. It says in verse 8, in Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria and to, Samaria and to the ends of the earth, or everywhere, wherever we go, wherever we are, wherever the Lord has placed us, we proclaim the truth of the gospel. We know the who, everyone, as it is implied by the reference of the ends of the earth in verse 8, as well as stated in Matthew 28, 19, when Jesus says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. 
Not just go find these people or those people, but go proclaim to everyone that you come in contact with the good news of the gospel. And like the apostles show throughout the book of Acts, there is transformative power in this mission. Like these men who gave their lives to proclaim his truth, if we truly believe we are convicted to share, we will give our lives to this mission. If we truly believe that this is good news, the best news, the only news worth sharing, we can't be contained and help spread it to the ends of the earth. Put unbelief behind you. You've been given an understanding and conviction of this message and the mission with which it contains. With that, we have also been equipped. God provides power to share the good news of the gospel in and through the Holy Spirit. It says in verse 8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. The same power that rose Jesus from the dead resides in you and me as the Holy Spirit. We don't have to be radical on our own accord. We've been equipped and empowered by the Spirit of God to obediently follow Christ and His commands to share the gospel with those in our midst. We must not fear the earthly repercussions but be guided by the boldness that comes from the power of the Holy Spirit. We can rest in knowing the truth of Matthew 28.20, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. As a point of reflection, you struggle to believe that truth. That the power of Almighty God, creator of heaven and earth, the one who rose Jesus from the dead and conquered sin and death, resides in you. Are you feeling tired and broken? Are you feeling frail and weak? Are you constantly at your wit's end, wondering how you can get through another dreadful day? Here in the mundane life we live. I implore you, Buffalo City Church, to accept and believe that you have been anointed by the power of the Holy Spirit. Rest in His presence, rest in His truth, and rest in His power. We weren't left to figure, out, figure this out on our own. We weren't left to fend for ourselves and proclaim the gospel by our own power and will. We were provided the Spirit of God to spur us on. So God gives us his mission. He gives us the power of the Holy Spirit. And finally, he gives us his authority to be radical in mission. Ultimately, who has 
the authority over creation. Truly, who is the only one who can delegate a true and full authority? It's the almighty, all-powerful creator God. We are reminded here in verse 7, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father is fixed by his own authority. With that, we acknowledge that Jesus, as part of the triune God, is king, reigning and ruling at the Father's right hand. We see that understanding of the authority of Jesus Christ clearly in Matthew 28, 18, when Jesus proclaims all authority in in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Then how or when is that authority passed along to us to be radical in mission? By the following statement in Matthew as part of the Great Commission, he says, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go therefore. Go therefore. All authority has been given to me. Go therefore. Jesus is saying and providing that I have all of the authority. And therefore, I am passing that authority along to you to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Pretty heavy stuff. Pretty humbling when you think about it. We've been given the message of the gospel, which in faith has transformed our lives into co heirs with Christ. And the Lord of the universe has given us his power and his authority to share that good news of the gospel. Think about that for a second. You've been given all authority from the Almighty God to share the good news of the gospel. Now, interestingly enough, the outworking of that amazing authority, the commission to make disciples of Jesus Christ may actually look pretty simple in our day-to-day. I think the idea of how we're to go out and make disciples can be summed up pretty well in the article, The Most Radical Missions for Christians May Be the Most Mundane, from Brett, Brett McCracken, senior editor of the Gospel Coalition and pastor elder at Southlands Church in Santa Ana, California. He says, Daily discipleship is not a new revolution each morning or an agent of global transformation every evening. It's a long obedience in the same direction. The church is imperfect, messy, maddening, and at times mundane. But she is the body of Christ, the organism God has chosen to physically manifest the Son to the world 
by the power of the Holy Spirit. It may, so- may not sound exciting. It may seem too predictable and institutional and bourgeois or middle class. It's certainly not going to be comfortable. But showing up at church week after week and giving oneself to the building up of the body is a revolutionary act of mission. So we've seen through this passage in Acts that we understand the mission and have been equipped to be radical in mission through belief, power, and authority in Jesus Christ. With that, let's conclude with a couple takeaways and how we can align as the local church with our core value of being radical in mission. First, I I implore us to commit to the local church through membership. If you've been here for any length of time and heard us preach through the core values, being centered in the gospel, grounded in scripture, faithful in worship, authentic in fellowship, and radical in mission, and that aligns with where you are or where you want to be, please link arms with the fellow brothers and sisters in Christ to your left and to your right. Commit to being committed to a group of people with a common identity and mission to see the world around them transformed by the truth of the gospel. Commit to seeing individual lives and in turn our community acknowledge our sin, repent, and turn to a loving God. I'm asking you that if you understand the importance and role of the local church in God's redemptive plan and feel like the Lord has brought you to Buffalo City Church to serve in that mission, commit to membership. Communicate and show to the people to your left and right that you're committed to being united in Christ and that you care to love and serve alongside us no matter what life situations or circumstances arise. Commit to church membership as a method of showing you're committed to the mission of Jesus Christ. Second, I implore us to step outside of our comfort zone and invest in someone else in a discipleship relationship. Ask yourself, are you spending intentional time with someone else asking about their life, being there to pray for them and point them to Jesus? Are you spending time with someone else studying the Word of God and learning and being refreshed and challenged together through the Word of God? The answer is yes. Thank you for contributing to the mission of the local church to make disciples who make disciples of Jesus Christ. I ask you to please continue relying on the understanding, power, and authority given to you by Jesus Christ to continue pressing forward, sometimes through the mundane normalcy of life with someone else. If not, if you can't think of someone who you're spending 
intentional time with in God's Word, who you're praying with and pointing towards Jesus, please, please consider a way in which you can connect on a deeper level. Please find a way to have a relationship where you can come together with someone in which Christ is at the center and is at the focus of your discussion. I will acknowledge and I will say that it comes with a cost. You'll have to give someone else your time and your energy. You'll have to give someone else your care as you pray for them regularly. You might have to give up something that seems like a priority in your life now so that you can make time for someone else. The cost of following Jesus and of carrying out his mission of making disciples who make disciples of Jesus is worth it. To see growth and maturity in your own life and of those who you're investing in and see them carrying out the mission of Jesus is the most rewarding and beneficial thing you can do with your life. Take the time to invest and be involved in making disciples who make disciples. I also want to mention, if you're willing to count that cost, if you're willing to say, yes, I want to take up my cross and follow Jesus by making disciples who make disciples, but you're saying, I don't know how I do it. How do I get connected in a one-on-one or small group discipleship relationship? I'd encourage you then to start by being connected in one of our pathways towards discipleship. Connect in a community group, which meets regularly. Community groups meet almost every day of the week here at Buffalo City Church. Attend the men's or women's Bible studies on Mondays or Wednesdays to get connected with someone and figure out how and who you can connect with on a deeper level. Invite someone that you meet on a Sunday morning to join you for a meal. Ask them about their lives. Take a step towards discipleship. It doesn't have to be a huge step, but all that, but we do need to, to ask ourselves to be faithful to the mission to make disciples. Ultimately, there's nothing more that I would like to see than a church on fire for discipleship, executing the mission of Jesus. To see a web of disciples who are making disciples of looking back and seeing and saying and looking out amongst our crowd and saying, oh, they're here because they were discipled by him who was discipled by him who was discipled by him who was discipled by him and are helping them grow in their relationship and understanding of Jesus Christ. If you believe that we as believers should be radical in mission, there should be evidence in that belief. If you are convinced and convicted that God's method for making himself known is through the local church and body believers unified in Christ, please take a step in acting on those beliefs. Alternately, if the things that we've been talking about in our core values series doesn't line up with what you believe or what you want to believe in life, and you're freed to find another place to call home, another community in which you're called to care and connect with, 
you might think, wow, Blaze, that's harsh. I'm not going to be bought into the mission you're asking me to go. I'm asking, I'm begging by the power of the Holy Spirit to ask us to stop riding the fence. To stop clicking tentative or the maybe attending button in our spiritual lives. If you've been called here, if you've been called to commit to the local body of believers to proclaim the truth of Jesus Christ, make it your life. Make it be who you are. Make that fruit, make that seed that has been planted in you by the Holy Spirit bear fruit. Be radical in mission and make disciples who make disciples of Jesus Christ. We are able to be radical, far-reaching, and complete because of what Jesus has done. Now, if you're saying, I'm kind of in the middle, right? I'm not quite there yet to fully commit, but I think there's a seed that's been planted. I encourage you, please hang on. If you're saying, yeah, I want to do that, but I need some help, let's go there. Please stop up, talk with me. Talk with Mark, talk with Caleb about what it means to be connected, to be involved, to spend time in the lives of others in discipleship relationships. If we're truly going to be a church who makes disciples, who make disciples of Jesus Christ, we need each and every one of us to be moving in that direction. Being radical in mission requires an understanding of the mission, to bear witness to Jesus Christ as the fulfillment of the scriptures in the immediate community and abroad, to make disciples who make disciples of Jesus Christ. As followers of Christ and members of the local church, we've been given the knowledge, understanding, and conviction of the mission in knowing the what, to witness, the where, everywhere, and the who, everyone, with which to share the gospel message. We are able to be radical, far-reaching, and complete in the mission through the power of the Holy Spirit and under the authority of Jesus Christ. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that Jesus has commanded. Let us pray. Thank you, Lord, for our time with you and your word this morning. Thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, and for giving us the local church to fulfill your purpose and mission of sharing the good news of what Jesus Christ has done on our behalf. Lord God, we acknowledge that we are broken, unfaithful, unusable vessels for your purposes. But we also acknowledge that you have equipped us in an understanding of this gospel message and the power and authority of Jesus Christ to fulfill your mission. Lord God, help us to rest in who you are. 
Lord God, help us to recognize that it's go time in regards to proclaiming the unaltered, uncompromised gospel to the world around us. Lord God, I pray that as we leave this place this morning, we wouldn't be the same as when we came in. Lord God, that we would be, have experienced and been transformed by the Holy Spirit. Lord God, that you would convict us and transform us to carry out your mission. Lord God, allow us to be disciples who make disciples of Jesus Christ. We thank you and love you. In Jesus' name. Let it never 